This is an exclusive presentation of WoWo 1190 AM and 107.5 FM, Unholstered. We are back. It's another edition of Unholstered. My name is Kayla Blakesley. I am just one of your hosts here on Unholstered. Good morning, everyone. My name is Sophia Rosales-Gatina. I'm a captain with the Fort Wayne Police Department, and welcome back to the show Unholstered. Sophia, it's official. We have been doing this show now for over two years. I cannot believe it. I know. Time flies. It does, and we didn't think we'd have enough topics. I know, and you know what? I, just kind of a, just for folks who maybe just tuned in or they're just getting familiar with the show Unholstered, this show was born out of just pure frustration. Um, back in 2021, I just I got tired of all of this rhetoric around law enforcement that was so negative and all of this defund the police rhetoric. It just just really got on my nerves. And I don't even, full disclosure, have, have a family member in law enforcement. My husband's not in law enforcement. It's not anything like that. But yet I still was just taking it so personal. And Sophia, I'd never actually met you in person um, but you used to be the uh, public information officer with the Fort Wayne Police Department here in town. So we had spoken numerous times, yep. but never, you know, over the phone, the phone or email. Yeah. <laughs> never actually met in person. So I, I called up Sophia. It's like, hey, I have this really crazy idea for a podcast. What do you think? Are you in? And Sophia said, <laughs> I'm in. I'm all about the crazy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so we sat down. I said my one concern was just having enough topics weekend after weekend after weekend. And here we are. Yeah. Two years in, and yeah. we're still going strong. I think over 90 topics now. Yeah, it, it's got to be. Yeah, so. we've had over, I believe, 90 podcasts at the, yeah. at this point, um, which really, it's it's quite easy, I think, to come up with topics because the news practically does it for us day in and day out. Because yeah. if you are new to this program, we share and tell and talk about all things law enforcement, and not even necessarily just here in Northeast Indiana, but it could be stories around our region, across the country. Yeah. And that's kind of where we are headed into today. We're actually going to be talking out of, uh, about a story out of Illinois. But before we get to that, Sophia, and I think listeners will be um, very interested in this story, let's put it that way, um, especially since it's our neighbors north of us. But I wanted to have you recap last Tuesday night. It was your national night out. Yes, it was. It was our second one. Um, we revisited and brought that back. It had been dormant for a long time. When um, was the first one? It was la- last year. Oh, was last our year first was the first one. one. Okay. Yeah, we hadn't. It, it been dormant for us for probably 30 years. We okay. had not participated. Um, but we wanted to bring that program back because we thought it was important to what we were doing here in the community. And it just kind of coincided with our message that we like to go on, that the police and the community are one. And so we did that last year, and it was a good it was a good turnout, good successful turnout, and the whole program was really, really well run. Um, and this year, um, um, it was just really nice. Officer Woods put together a really good program, and I helped her where I needed to. But honestly, she had it nailed down and I just had to do some final tweaking on some stuff and make some contacts where she didn't have those. But uh, it was a really good event, attended well. We where handed is it? out it was at Fryman Square and we handed out uh, close to five hundred backpacks and school supplies um, to area kids that were in need. What a great opportunity, kinda of like you said, this is really where you know, the community and law enforcement can kind of come together. And I know, as I mentioned at the beginning, sometimes people have uh, misconstrued uh, misconceptions uh, mm-hmm. about not even just police officers here in town, but across the country. So what a great mm-hmm. opportunity for you guys to be able to help out some area kiddos with back to school supplies. And in the meantime, get to meet mom and dad, grandma, grandpa, aunts, uncles, yep. and hopefully you know, start up really important conversations and just be like, hey, here, we are a friend of you. We are a friend of the community. I think it's a really great program. Yeah. And the weather held out. It 
cooled off for us this whole past week. Thank goodness. In, Thank in goodness you weren't standing 90s. out there in like, uh, you know, yeah. heat Last year was really hot. So I was happy with the nice weather we've had this whole week. Well, I'm really glad it went well. Unfortunately, we have to change the topic on something that's <laughs> to something that's not quite as um, lighthearted. Let's yes. put it that way. And so to be honest, full transparency, Sophia, I sent you this story about um, Illinois now allowing non-U.S. citizens to become police officers. Now, again, in full transparency, Sophia, I send you this article. I'm so excited about this topic. And then I myself didn't even read it. (laughs) Um, I'm I'm terrible. I'm a terrible person. I did not prep properly for this show simply because I just ran out of time. However, I have an idea, I'm sure, of where this story is going because... um, this this is something that has been pursued for quite some time, but it does feel like everyone kind of turned their back and Illinois' governor just kind of stuck this law through that, again, essentially, non-citizens can arrest citizens of Illinois, of American citizens uh, uh, living in Illinois. I mean, that's really what it is in a nutshell. And what I thought I would do is read some of this bill. This is Illinois House Bill 3751, and it says... The bill provides that an individual who is not a citizen but is legally authorized to work in the United States under federal law is authorized to apply for the position of police officer subject to all requirements and limitations other than citizenship to which other applicants are subject, adding that non-U.S. citizens must be able to obtain, carry, purchase, or otherwise possess a firearm under federal law to apply for the job. Um, So that is a direct reading from House Bill 3751. Uh, I, I think the obvious question here, Sophia, is why is this a bad idea? I'm actually like stunned. Um, when you sent me this, I had no idea that this was what it was going to be. Um, but when you open it up and start reading, I'm like, I can think of a lot of areas that this is bad and just on from the premise and just my automatic thinking illegal. You know, as when I took the oath of my office then to protect uh, the Constitution, I did so as an American citizen. I don't know how you can say you'll enforce the Constitution of this land when you're exploiting the Constitution of this land or illegally here. Um, it, and I don't even know how you would get even a license to carry a handgun because well, that's my other question. I was going to ask you how how does that even on the work? constitutional carry it does not apply to people here who have illegal immigration status. So they would uh, essentially be a prohibited person. They would be a prohibited person. So I'm not even quite sure how they could legally possess a firearm. Now, I they're so woefully. I mean, there's so many things here. I'm like in my mind, I'm like churning and I'm trying to find words to kind of put together my thoughts on this. Overall, I think it's just a bad idea. Um, You know, you can hear people exclaim in the article that, you know, you're here in an illegal status because let's face it, you are. You're not. You have not even had a hearing. And and I'm just assuming that they're just any person that's crossed the border. It doesn't say specifically who they're talking about. I know in here they talked about DACA. Well, so I should say this. The bill goes on to say immigrants who remain in the country under the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, DACA, are also entitled to apply for positions to join law enforcement. That, again, that according directly to the bill. Yeah, so I'm not even quite sure how they would even pass, you know, the federal standard to even 
purchase a handgun without a legal status here in the United States. Now, I I am not, you know, someone that's well versed in the whole DACA thing, so I don't know exactly what their status is or what the government has given or not given them throughout their, you know, time here in the United States. Um, but I know that a lot of them can't even apply, can't even apply for in-state tuition because they're not a legal resident technically. So if you're not a legal resident of a state, how can you actually garner a permit, even on a constitutional basis? Uh, Because I know our law prohibits that, our constitutional carry law, because we just talked about that Mm -hmm. on the last show. Um, So there's just, I have a lot of questions. Um, I do too. I wish we could get the governor of Illinois on the show. I think this is interesting too. The Fraternal Order of Police, they um, issued a statement about this to ABC 20. Again, this is in Illinois. Mm -hmm. Um, basically condemning the bill as well. They said, and I quote, what message does this legislation send when it allows people who do not have legal status to become the enforcers of our laws? This is a potential crisis of confidence in law enforcement at a time when our officers need all the public confidence they can get. Sophia, I could not And maybe that's the point. Yeah. Maybe that's the whole point of the bill. Um, They're already... Using the cashless bail, they've implemented that. That just went through the Supreme Court of Illinois, and they've upheld the constitutionality of that. So they'll be going to cashless bail, the first uh, state in the nation to do that, completely cashless bail. They tried to make that a thing already before, too, right? They did, but then it got um, held up in court. Someone objected. The lower court found it unconstitutional, so it made its way to the Supreme Court of Illinois, and they just ruled that constitutional, I think, July 18th. So um, that will be implemented here. I think today was oh. they were starting that. Then cashless bail, I think, it started today on August 1st or Tuesday on August 1st. It just doesn't seem right to me that someone who is actively breaking the law and this in, in the terms of the, the fraternal order of a police, yeah. then now being the ones who are going to, quote, enforce the law. Yeah. And I, you know, and I get that. Um that upsets you know, there's, me. There's there's people that are like, well, they're not really breaking the law, they're just running, but they are. If they've crossed the border without legally stopping and doing what they needed to do to be let in this country in a in a legal process way, then yes, it is contrary to our laws. Right. That's, that that's govern the same thing when people are like, you know, smoking marijuana here in Indiana, like, oh, it's no big deal. Yeah. But I'm like, no, but technically, you are breaking the law. Right. I don't care which way you cut it. Yeah. And, you know, there could be stories like, oh, well, this and there's that. It doesn't matter. You know, take the emotion out of it. What is the legal? What does the law say? And the law says unless you are going through the legal process and legal channels that you are not a part of our country. But we've had hundreds of thousands of people cross the border. And I really I, I don't know to to what end, like how many more people can we take? Yeah, because these these border towns and these border states are struggling. I mean, I, I, I watch the news and I, I read articles, law enforcement articles. I have friends on CBP and they're telling me they're, they're struggling. These men and women are working countless hours and they're basically they're babysitters. Yeah. They're babysitters and not doing what they should be doing to protect our borders. And that's what they were hired to do. Not to mention, speaking of just the law in general, it is federal law currently that non-U.S. citizens cannot serve as police officers or deputies. Right, right. So there's so many things <laughs> wrong with this, and I don't know how this will in, stand up in court at all. 
Um, and but I think maybe that's the point. Um, they're just trying to undermine law enforcement. I mean, it is Illinois. Um, and I, I find, you know, anything that comes out of Illinois is basically and I shouldn't say all of Illinois. There are, there are some parts of Illinois that are very nice. righteous in what they do and, you know, probably have leanings uh, pro law enforcement. But then they're overridden by, you know, the, the large uh, city of Chicago and that sh- the way Chicago does business. So it, I think this is probably the point. And I don't know, may, you know, there's so many theories out there when it comes to um, illegal immigration yeah. on why we're allowing so many people into our country at the detriment to our to our citizens. Uh, the governor of Illinois, he did come out defending this bill and also issued a statement because he's he's been getting a lot of slack for it after recently signing I mean, he in, <laughs> into law, as he should be. But he said in a press conference earlier this week, I believe it was on Monday, he argued that the legislation would be limited to individuals who are legally allowed to work in the United States and who are legally allowed to possess firearms. As for all the criticism, he said um, that he said Republicans, his words, not mine, are misinterpreting the language of the bill. But I don't. But if you're here illegally in the United States, you can't possess. You can't possess a firearm. So I'm not quite sure who he means. I wish they'd be more specific in what they're kind of detailing here. Um, So for me, I have a lot of questions that need to be answered. Yeah, you and me both. (laughs) I think we can we'll try to do our best over the next couple of weeks to get some of those answers questions to those answers as we start to learn more. I would be curious, Sophia, let's say something like that was brought to the state of Indiana, right? And and because let's face it, I, so here's, here's one way I could look at this, I suppose, right? I'm trying to get into the head of Illinois here or Illinois' governor. Recruitment is low for police. We know that, right? Nobody wants to be police officers these days, right. and I get it. I get it, especially after all the rhetoric we just mentioned and the, just the verbal bashings that officers have been taking for the last couple of years. So I don't know. Maybe he's looking at this as a recruitment opportunity. I don't know to, to fill staff. But so let's just let's just go out on a limb here and say this were to happen in, in Indiana as well. Right. How do you feel like that would be received amongst your team, your peers or other just just law enforcement departments in general across the state? I don't think it'd be well received no matter where you are and what city you are in um, because we our whole job, our whole reason we exist is to uphold laws that are legally brought before us to us um, through the Indiana Code and even federal laws. Sometimes we have to, you know, um, create the channels to to shuffle people over to the federal side and call in federal agents for federal stuff. But but it always starts with us. We, we start mm-hmm. the process. So I, I don't I don't think it I don't think it would go over well. I, I don't see it. You know, there's a whole idea of of language, culture, customs. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a whole gamut of things that if you are not well versed in American culture, the language, English, uh, we, we're always looking for Spanish speaking officers because we have to deal with a large uh, Spanish speaking population here in Fort Wayne. We also have a, one of the largest Burmese settlements in the entire nation. So we're always looking for people with languages. But your first command of the language has to be English mm-hmm. and it has to be very good English. It cannot be um, sporadic. It cannot be I don't know some words because if someone doesn't understand you, as we've found out with people in other languages, it could turn deadly. And that's the last thing we need. 
Do you speak any other languages? I speak uh, some Spanish, yeah. It's not as good as it used to be just because I don't do it very often anymore. Um, but, you know, it's one of those things where we just, we have to be aware and cognizant that we, yeah, sure, we need bilingual people, but the first command of the language has to be English because that's primarily what we deal with. And is there a part of you that, because I struggle with this for, for other in other areas, not with law enforcement, but it's like, you know, I followed the rules. I did everything right to get <laughs> where I'm at in terms of your position, Sophia. You're a captain with yeah. the Fort Wayne Police Department. I mean, does a party of you feel a little slighted about that? I or would do, you, I suppose. I do. And I feel, you know, honestly, that it brings up the topic when you talk about doing everything right. It kind of brings up the topic about drug use for me. Because, mm-hmm. you know, what we allow now is vastly different than what we allowed when I got on. And, you know, to say we are going to allow experimental use, but you have to be within, you know, so many years or whatever. And I'm like, you know, but what do you tell the person that's done everything right? What do you do? What do you tell the person who's towed the line, who's been, you know, within, you know, the boundaries of the law? What do you tell them? That doesn't matter. It does matter. Mm -hmm. It's part of your integrity and who you are. So I, I always kind of, no matter what it is. Um, if you're doing the right thing, I think you should be rewarded with a job. Yeah, I do too. Especially enforcing laws. (laughs) (laughs) Especially enforcing laws. Yeah, you want someone with that kind of track record. People have to be perfect because they do not. And sometimes, you know, those experiences bring with you a certain kind of um, view or empathy for certain situations that that is much needed. But at the same time, again, I struggle because it's like, what do you tell someone who's just done everything right? Well, I view that the same way with, with student loans. For me, when we, when there was talk about bailing out <laughs> yeah. hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars in student loans, uh, I paid mine off about three or four years ago, and I didn't expect anyone else to pay off the student loan debt that I incurred on my own. I, yeah. Even when I got married, I remember saying to my husband, like, we can keep this separate because this is mine. And of course, my husband's like, nope, what's yours is mine, mine is ours. You know, um, nice. I was fortunate to, yeah. that he had that kind of mentality, but I didn't expect him to. I didn't expect anyone. So, you know, I, I paid off all of my student loan debt, and it was hard. It was brutal. It was, it was terrible, yeah. but I did it. And I actually felt quite accomplished after doing it. My husband and I, we went out and celebrated because that's how <laughs> how pumped we were about it. Yeah. But then you hear this student loan bailout program, or I call it transfer program, which we don't need to get into that. But that's how I view it, too. And I'm like, well, what what about the rest of us who worked so hard, picked yeah. up extra shifts, and I worked at Mad Mex overnight banqueting, you know, drunken frats to make extra money? I, like. Yeah. That's really infuriating to me. Yeah. I, pl- I mean, I, I chose a school that I could afford. My parents right. didn't save any money for that. So I went to PFW, which was IPFW at the time. I got my degree. It's on the IU side. You know, I played tennis, got some scholarship money for that. I worked my way through college and I took out loans. I had some grants. I paid that all back, you know, but I went somewhere I could afford. I knew I couldn't afford to go to IU or Purdue or anywhere else. So I chose the university here. And, you know. So what do you say to the law enforcement officer who had to go through the pathways to gain legal citizenship, right? Yeah, to... because we have had right. them. We have had That's officers real. who were not born in this country, but they became citizens mm-hmm. before they became officers. Right. And so they had to get their person? citizen, be- the citizenship before. Uh, yeah, I I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what you would tell them. I will say this. Um, lawsuits have already been filed, which, as you mentioned, you assumed would happen. And yeah. sure enough, they've already been filed to challenge the law. Um the Thomas More Society is a nonprofit law form, firm. They're actually suing the state of Illinois yeah. over this. So, I mean, this story just coming to light, I, like I said, we'll get more answers to a lot of these questions and obviously learn more. 
over the days and weeks ahead. But just just looking at it right now from a very narrow lens, because like I said, I didn't even read half this article when I even after I sent it to you, just fundamentally seems like a really bad idea. Yeah. And especially, you know, all this talk when we talk about police reform has been we want our officers highly educated. We want them, you know, to be able to deal with different cultures and different ethnicities and all these kinds of things. And they want training and all this stuff. And I, I look in terms of because most of our most of our immigrants that are coming here crossing the border at this time are coming from South America. I'll just say what it is. Mm-hmm. They are mm-hmm. mostly Hispanic, Spanish speaking uh, Latinos coming across and I don't know how you teach our culture or even dealing with other ethnicities that they have no concept of. I don't know that there's a big Burmese population in in you know South America. Yeah, I, don't, yeah. I don't know that you point. know there's a big Asian population, but in here and we've grown up, it's just a you know we're just accustomed to that here. Is it in every community? No. But for the most part, we like to get our officers here from our community. We like our police department to look like our community but it's up to the community to actually put applications in so on one hand i'm like well if no one here is going to put in for the job someone has to do it but on the other hand i'm like there's no way i get that that though i I actually i love that that, what you just said though about you know having a preference i guess you could say of, of officers being from our community but i think that's a good thing because with that also comes a sense of pride and ownership. Mm-hmm. I live here. I work here. My kids go to school here. I go to this grocery store down the street. You know, as an officer, I feel like when you have part of that ownership, right? I mean, yeah. and your job is you have to... have buy-in. Yeah, you have buy-in to that. Yeah. I mean, and it's important. It's so important. And I can't imagine... And I'm not saying they can't, but an extreme buy-in, even from someone from, I don't know, Washington, D.C. coming here, are they going to have that extreme buy-in? Probably not. Yeah, and you they're know, not going to know they might. our community right. and the nuances that we have as a community. And and it's not to saying they can't, because we've had some right. really good people from other areas come in here and don't do a fine job policing. But uh, if we're talking about numbers and t- t- statistics, a greater amount of people from this community apply and get the job and they do really good things here because this is their home this is where they've grown up i mean this is where i grew up my parents moved here they love this community we stayed i stayed i didn't move i didn't go somewhere else mm-hmm. i love my community i love fort wayne i love love the growth that it's experiencing i love the diversity i love the culture differences i just love everything about fort wayne and i love its proximity to to bigger places yeah. if i choose um, but if I wanted to live somewhere else, I would. I right. could. Exactly. But I don't. I love this community. I, I share I share that wholeheartedly. And I am a transplant. Yeah. I moved here from Pennsylvania back in 2011. So what? It's been 12 years now? I can't. Well, it's been a long time now that I've yeah. been in Fort Wayne. I'm just like you. If I wanted to go somewhere else or make a lateral move, I would. But I don't because I'm just like you. I love this community wholeheartedly. However, even when I first moved here, was I ingrained in this community? Absolutely not. I wasn't born and raised here. I didn't go to elementary school here. I don't have all of my friends that I grew up with here. I didn't go to this grocery store down the street growing up and have fond memories of it. You, you yeah. know, I don't have that here. Yeah. And that that's real as well. You know, people talk about it all the time. You know, working at WoWo, just just the legend, the legends that came out of WoWo. I'm like, <laughs> oh, man, I, I wish. I, I didn't grow up with them. I didn't grow up listening to school delays like everybody else did, you yeah. know. Yeah. Um, so there really is something to be said about that ownership if you are from the community but that's interesting so you you said most of your recruits are from the area then yeah they're just people here that have grown up here and they want to police their community which is what we want 
We want people that know this community, that have contacts in this community, who, who have people that trust them in this community. And that's what policing is, is establishing relationships built on trust. And if you already have that established trust with people, when you become an officer, hopefully you keep that. On that note, if we need to fill some seats and, and, and folks are listening, they're like, we don't want to be like Illinois, you know, and someone wants to be a police officer, how can they go about applying for that, Sophia? Yeah, so you can go to fwpd.org. And you can go to the, um, we're hiring. Now, our application process will not start again until next year. We're currently in a process right now. Testing phase is has, has underway. We've already had our written test and we're getting ready to have our physical agility test. So um, uh, we do the same time. It's usually from um, February until the end of March usually is when we're open for applications. And you can do that all online. Um, you, or you can text uh, one of our recruiters as well. And you can do that just by texting join FWPD, like it's all one word, join FWPD to 260-233-9850. 260-233-9850. Who knew that this would turn into talking about recruitment today, Sophia? But, but it worked important. out. It is important. Yeah. It's really important, especially when we see things like this happening in Illinois, because you know so many, and, and I hate to just say red and blue, but. I'm going to just say it. You know, a lot of other blue states are watching Illinois. They're watching to see how this goes. They're watching to see what happens. So you best bet I'm going to keep watching to see what happens in Illinois. And as we've mentioned, try and get a lot more answers to all of these questions that we have, particularly how you are able to legally carry a firearm when you're not a legal citizen. That yeah. makes that I'm just baffled by that. Um, Sophia, speaking of carrying firearms, we updated folks on constitutional carry here in Indiana last week on Unholstered. If you missed that, you can go download the Unholstered podcast anywhere you can download a podcast. Um, but but we still have we still have so many questions. People kind of still rolling in with some confusion about it, and I understand it is it is very confusing. I know you guys have even mentioned, hey, we had to wrap our heads around this law when it was enforced. July 1, 2022, but, and, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but with the passage of this law, Indiana being a constitutional carry state here, you no longer need a handgun permit to legally carry. Correct. Okay. Say it again for people in the back. You <laughs> no longer need a handgun permit to legally carry now in the state of Indiana. As long as you're not a prohibited person. As long as you're not a prohibited person, how do you find that out? That's when you do apply for a permit if you want to find out if you are a prohibited person. Yeah, if you've had any involvement with police as a juvenile or as a young adult, you'd best just get the check um, and they're free. Gun permits are free. You just come down, grab it, and get the check. Just, um, better be safe than sorry. Yeah, I just want to issue that clarification here. And again, if you still have more questions or you're still not sure, uh, revisit our uh, our episode from last week, uh, Constitutional Carry, one year later. Again, just search for the Unholstered podcast anywhere you download a podcast. Your town, your team, your topics. This is Unholstered. Thanks for listening to Unholstered. Be sure to subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you listen. And remember, you can listen every Saturday morning at 1030 on WoWo 1190 and 1075 FM. Podcasts by Federated Media.